Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Save News TV. This is what's going on in Israel. Good morning, Callie. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Absolutely marvelous. It is a chilly um, fall day here. I'm excited. Um, we have a little rain. I fall. Spring and fall is my favorite seasons. Oh, that's nice. I really like them too. And we don't have them here in Israel. <laughs> right. So you, you said that you only have really like two seasons. Yeah, we really do. We, we only have two seasons. We have a winter rainy season and a summer dry season. And I, I probably really should do a teaching on this for you all sometime because when you know this, there's a lot of scripture that make a lot more sense. Like the passages about the latter rains and everything, it makes a lot right. more sense. Right. Because they're really talking about the climate here in Israel. But in a practical sense, I, I really do miss the fall. I miss the color changes and the temperature being kind of, you know, comfortable. Because <laughs> it just goes from being really hot to suddenly being really cold and wet. <laughs> mm. I know that must be a shock, but I guess once you get accustomed to it, it is um, just that your average season, you know, yeah, weather. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're right now we're just waiting for the rains to get started. They haven't really started yet, so um, they should start though. Like any day, the rains should should start happening. Oh, okay, now how long does that generally last? Um, generally, it will rain from October till around May. It starts to taper off, and then we won't have any rain at all in June, July, August until late September, maybe. Um, but it doesn't rain at all. Like it's completely a drought during wow. the summer. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to do a teaching on that. And we're going to do a little teaching today, but we're going to get the news out of the way first. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, last week uh, after our live, there was news coming in um, that uh, Israel struck did an airstrike with Syria. Yeah, yeah. Is that not correct? Yeah, right. So that happened on Shabbat. And so it's almost old news now at this point. But I think there's a lot of spiritual significance here that we need to talk about, which is why I wanted to still include it this week. Um, but yeah, Syria, Israel, um, although Israel didn't take, um, there's no comment from the IDF on this, <laughs> we'll say. Okay. But it, I mean, we can pretty much be confident that this was Israel. But Israel did bomb a number of locations surrounding Damascus uh, this Shabbat on Saturday, which is rare because normally, and it was during the day. Okay, so normally if Israel is going to strike something in Syria, it's going to be at night and it's not going to be on Shabbat because Shabbat is the day of rest. So this was very rare. Um, but they targeted advanced weapons that were heading towards Hezbollah. Um, so Hezbollah, of course, is the Iranian proxy terror group that's operating in Syria. Um, and they were apparently it was like surface to surface missiles from northern Israel going into Syria. So obviously it was Israel. <laughs> like you could physically see that it was Israel. Um, but of okay. course, the IDF didn't make any okay. comment. Yeah. Um, but this is really significant. Those of you who are watchmen on the wall and like to watch Bible prophecy unfold. All right. We need, we need to be watching Syria. We need to be watching Damascus in particular. Right. Um, 
because there is a prophecy regarding Damascus that um, has not come to pass yet. So if you look in your Bible, I'll just read it to you. Isaiah 17, 1, it says, Behold, Damascus will cease to be a city and will become a heap of ruins. So this is a prophecy. This whole passage in Isaiah 17 is a whole prophecy about Damascus, and it has not yet been fulfilled because obviously Damascus is still a flourishing city. So at some point before Messiah Yeshua returns, Damascus is going, this This is the word of God, okay? So before Yeshua returns, we're going to see this word of God fulfilled. Um, but if you continue to read this passage, I just want to give you some hope about it. I, I think it's pretty encouraging if you read through all of Isaiah 17, when you get to um, verse um, 3, it says, for the fortress will disappear from Ephraim and the kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria will be like the glory of the children of Israel, declares the Lord of hosts. So I think that there's a beautiful promise there for the remnant. So um, the people who walk out of whatever it is that's going to happen in Damascus that causes it to be flattened, there's a blessing on the remnant of those people that they will be like the glory of the children of Israel. So something something's going to happen there spiritually. That's really profound um, and worth watching for that particular people group. Um, and then further down in verse seven of that chapter, it says, in that day, man will look to his maker and his eyes will look on the Holy One of Israel. He will not look to the altars or the works of his hands. He will not look on what his own fingers have made, either the Asherim or the altars of incense. So again, whatever it is that's going to happen in Damascus, the goal of it is to direct everyone's attention to the Lord. So it's something that will magnify the greatness of the Lord and people won't be fixated on their works and their idols, but they will see the Lord. Um, they will see their maker, it says. So I think there's something really hopeful about this because obviously for, for a city to be flattened, that's sort of a discouraging thought because it's going to come either out of war or out of a natural disaster. But there's a promise for the remnant, and there's also a promise that people will see the Lord in it. Um, yes, I, and and the way cities are flattened are that they are destroyed, not necessarily totally destroyed, but um, destroyed destroyed in a sense because yeah. to flatten buildings, to you know, something serious must have happened. Must yes. going is going to happen. Right. And, it, and this hasn't happened yet because Damascus still stands. So when it does happen, I think it's good for us to have this treasured in our hearts that it's an opportunity to point others to the Lord, um, because that's what the whole prophecy states. So um, as things unfold in the future, and I have no idea what how God is going to do this or when, um, but I just know that it is going to happen because God's word says so. <laughs> so, um, we're just on the lookout for that and, uh, following what's been going on. Um, you know, it's been a tense place up there. So, um, who knows, we could be moving closer and closer. I mean, every day is closer in general, but definitely you know, every second. Yeah. But we could be moving closer in more practical ways too. So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to draw that to everyone's attention that that had just happened. And so just to continue to be on the lookout for 
new new things going on in Damascus and in Syria. Definitely. And to um, go and read the scriptures that you referenced so that um, we could definitely look at that. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a really important I, I feel like for the time that we're living in um, that Damascus prophecy is a really important one to be familiar with um, just to know it well and to have it on your heart. Um, because, you know, we're, we are called to give an answer sometimes for things. So when this does take place, you know, you know, because you, you're a child of God who, who walks in his spirit and reads his word and lives in his word. You know, you know that his word said that Damascus was going to be a heap of ruins. And you know that that means it's time to look at the Lord, right? It's time to direct others to the Lord. So exactly. Um, yeah. So just know that and find hope in it too. Goodness. <clears throat> exactly. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord today. Make sure you get your life right now. Great. <laughs> um, it might be a minute before that happens. So make sure your life is right in case the Lord calls you home. Or calls us out. All of us need to make sure. So, you know, receive yeah. Yeshua as your Lord and perfect personal Savior mm -hmm. and ask Him to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins and be the Lord of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So, uh, we have another story that we, I wanted to talk about a little bit too. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm going to share our screen here so we can see um, the article on what this really means. All righty, go ahead. You can go ahead and talk about it. You're setting this up? Okay, great. Um, all right, so many of you probably are aware that Facebook is in this process of rebranding and they wanna be called Meta because they wanna form this metaverse. And AZ did a really excellent video on the Facebook metaverse that I suggest that you find and watch because it was really good. Um, so they made this announcement yes, on Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, go back and watch AZ's video on this where she explains it in more detail. It was really good. Um, but Facebook, you know, they announced that this week that they're, they're going to do this new branding and they're going to be called Meta. Okay, well, <laughs> it kind of took on a life of its own over here in Israel because Meta means dead in Hebrew. <laughs> um, so it became kind of a joke. Um, it is the, actually the feminine version of the word dead. Um, the word dead is met. And then the feminine version, I think you actually pronounce it Meta. Um, but it means dead. So we had hashtags going around Facebook dead, both in like Facebook meta and also Facebook dead. <laughs> uh, so it kind of became a joke around here. But I had a moment, though, where I paused and I just really thought on it. And I was like, wow, how about this? Like the nation of Israel and the Hebrew language calling out Facebook is dead. <laughs> it's like there yes. might be. Yes, it needs, I mean, it, it needs to be. It needs to be. It needs to be dead. <laughs> Yeah, I and I think, like, it's, I think it's funny it. that. Uh, I think yeah, it's I funny like that. Uh, Go ahead. I was just saying. I think it's funny that that's the meaning, and and we're ha they're hashtag tagging uh, Facebook dead. 
I don't, I'm sure uh, Facebook did not do the research on the meaning of the word. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't check it across With, all languages to see what it meant. Right, but right, of right. Places, of all places, and I don't mean to be like super spiritualizing this, but I just think like of all places for it to mean dead in Israel and in the Hebrew <laughs> language is really interesting because, you know, um, Isaiah 46 or 49, 6 says, that I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. And so um, Israel is called to be a light to the nations. That's what Israel is. That's part of Israel's anointing and blessing. And as Christians, a lot of times we adapt that for our purposes of um, fulfilling the great commission. Let's go be a light to the nations. But in context, <laughs> that is a promise that God has given the nation of Israel. that They are to be a light to the Gentile nations. And so here's Israel saying, wait, when we read this, we see Facebook dead. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just really wild. And I just, um, this whole metaverse thing uh, that they're trying to create, it is kind of dead because it's transhumanism, yes. which is not a worldview that aligns with God's heart. You know, we're, we are made in God's image. We are not artificial intelligence we are made to interact with people face to face in real life, <laughs> you know, um, but the direction that they're moving this in is very much of a transhumanist agenda. And that is death. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and, and also because uh, meta, the metaverse, the meta universe um, is the, the virtual reality community. And, you know, Satan always tried to emulate God. And mm -hmm. so it, he knows his time is short because it is definitely short. It's, it's ticking by fast. So it's like Satan is trying to create his own universe to avoid hell. But right. we already know. <laughs> so would you maybe this is prophetic when he says it means dead. This is the signal for the death of. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> hey. So, yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting, but it was just kind of fun to scroll through my uh, social media platforms and see how my friends were talking about it, <laughs> especially the native Hebrew speakers just making jokes. I mean, it really did become a joke around here. Like it really was. So that was kind of funny. And um, also point out, it's amazing that Mark Zuckerberg did not know this. Yeah, because he's Jewish. <laughs> exactly. Isn't it? It's, it's really funny that he did not know this, or maybe he did know this. Maybe. And maybe he didn't care. I don't know. <laughs> right. Because uh, he hasn't he hasn't been super great at um taking right. I don't think he's practicing. Uh, yeah, I think he's very secular. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Right. <laughs> and Israel speaking it forth. And he has all his platforms underneath there. So that would be Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I'm interested to see how that does change Facebook. I, I know a lot of people are considering leaving because of it. And I've seen other people say they, they wouldn't leave Facebook because they know that it's a strong place where they can promote truth to. Um, so yeah, I don't know. 
where they can like where they can promote truth. Like they can say things, they can say truth. <laughs> Facebook might shadow ban it, but they can still speak it. <laughs> yeah, they can speak it, but nobody's saying it because you yeah, know we can speak the truth in there. And Facebook is definitely on a regular shadow banning save news. They not only do they shadow ban save news, they uh take down videos that they don't like. So that's why we say that um um, we have our own platform, so you can always jump over to us, our channel on Roku, and look up Save News TV. And you can also check us out on Rumble and Twitch, and it'll also be there. And our radio station, it plays at five again every day um, for a week. And but and podcast, but it's amazing how they. Um, if someone said they could speak truth on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I, I I can't even phantom uh that, but okay. <laughs> if that's what they believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I know I'm getting shadow banned because I've had people tell me they actually have to go to my Facebook page to see I do. I you know, I, I was like, you know, I, especially when you share our, our videos. It, yeah. I know it's shadow ban. It's like, no, yeah. we're not going to let Sabu's videos be shared with anybody. Yeah, so you guys know if we're, showing, if we're not showing up in your feed, you got to go find us. <laughs> you have to go look. You have to search us. You have to right. search us. I'm telling you, you have to search us. But um, we're there. <laughs> yeah. Still so, trying. <laughs> we, we try hard. Right. <laughs> so also, uh, we have some wonderful things that we're going to jump over into our teaching segment that we're starting this month. And um, so, um, Callie, let them know what the topic is and everything, so they can get their pens and papers out and 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 be enlightened. Yeah, so we're going to, through the month of November, and probably a little bit longer, depending on how many people groups we want to do, we're going to do a little bit of a series on peoples of the Bible, um, peoples of the Middle East, you know, peoples of this area, and just kind of learn a little bit about who they are, um, from primarily from a scriptural standpoint. But I think this is really important, because when you can start seeing in God's Word um, who, who people groups represent today, uh, you can start to really put together Bible prophecy on your own, you know, like you can see, oh, hey, I saw this story on the news and I see how it's aligning for Gog and Magog or whatever. Um, so I think this is really important just to be able to learn who these people are and identify them. And I thought what we would do is go through Psalm 83 um, because it lists 10 people groups here who are considered to be enemies of God. So I thought we could go through each one and see how they line up um, today, because there are some Bible scholars who believe that Psalm 83 is prophesying a war that actually hasn't taken place yet. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to do an in-depth teaching on this on this um, psalm, per se, but we're going to go through the peoples who are listed. Um, so I will just list, I will read them to you here. What um, chapter, Cal? Uh, psalm 83. And then, um, okay, let's see. Let's find where they start. You know, I'll start with one and I'll just read through eight. Okay, very good. Okay. okay. 
Um, oh God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O oh God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord. Against you, they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, um, Gebal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre, Asher also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. So we'll just stop there for now. Um, the rest of the psalm continues on in explaining how this war is going to unfold and what's going to happen to these people groups. But there are 10 listed here. Edom, Ishmaelites, Moab, Hagrites, Gibal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, Tyre, and Asher. Um, and they are listed as enemies of God for conspiring against Israel. And what's interesting is part of what they say here is, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. And in the years that I've been living in Israel, that is something that I have heard repeatedly from different people groups in the Middle East, whether it's Palestinians or a lot from Iran. Um, but we hear that, you know, that is something that the, the enemies of God are crying out about Israel even today. So, um, you know, as we go through the series, I will break the psalm down more and more so we understand why it potentially is something to be fulfilled. Um, but one of the reasons is because there hasn't been a war in either in scripture noted or in modern times that has included all 10 of these people group together. So there have been some thoughts that maybe maybe it's from um, Second Chronicles 20, like there's a war there, but it doesn't name all 10 of these people groups. And these people groups are different from the people groups listed in the Gog and Magog war. Exactly. Um, so, so there's reason to believe that this is a prophetic, a prophetic passage. Okay. So um, I'm not exactly going to go in order. We're going to, we're going to come back to Edom next time, but today we're going to focus on the Ishmaelites. And the reason is because the Ishmaelites are the Arab people and the Arab people and the Palestinians are the Arab people. And several weeks ago, I kind of did an introduction to who the Arab people are. So, I mean, who the Palestinian people are. So we felt like it was a good starting point just to talk about the Palestinian people and where they come from. But yes, okay, so the Palestinians that we have here in Israel are ethnically Arab. Um, Palestinian is not an ethnicity, it's a nationality. Um, their ethnicity is Arab. And that's news to some people because some people believe that Palestinian is an actual ethnicity, but it's not. And um, after I explain a little bit about the Ishmaelites, then I will tell you how they came to be known as Palestinians. Um, so we'll, we will get there. But first, let's talk about um, the Ishmaelites. Okay, so the Ishmaelites obviously are the son or the descendants of who? Ishmael. Ishmael. Um, right. And so he was the son of Abraham and Hagar, who was his concubine. And if you're familiar with scripture, you know the story that God promised Abraham, who had a barren wife, that his descendants would number the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. And she was old and well beyond childbearing age. And she laughed at this. And then she suggested to Abraham to, to take his to take her concubine, Hagar, 
and um, have a child through Hagar. That maybe this is how the promise would happen. So um, yeah, a perfect example of us trying to help God and and we create a problem. Yeah, like us trying to help him out with his plan, right? Right. So, um, like God isn't able to fulfill His word, uh, and He needs our help, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Hagar did end up having a child with Abraham, and it was Ishmael. And if you look in your Bible at um, Genesis twenty-one, just what they were like didn't have all my tabs in today my little post-it notes in my bible to get places fast <laughs> i know i um i'm using my online bible so i can get there even faster oh, that's good <laughs> it doesn't happen often no <laughs> okay so let me just go back to my notes and see where i left off you um, said genesis 21 12 Yes, Genesis 21, 12. Let's see what that says here. All right. Okay, so this is where, um, okay, what, what's happening, what's taking place here is that Sarah, she became jealous of Hagar because of the baby. Eventually she conceived and she had Isaac and God's word was fulfilled. Um, and, there, and there was conflict between Isaac and Ishmael. Um, the Bible says that, that, um, that she that Ishmael was um, mocking or laughing at Isaac, and um, but when you really study this in the biblical Hebrew, it's stronger than that. It's like um, taunting or bullying in our time. Yeah, like abusive in a sense. Like it's very very strong. Um, so Sarah went to Abraham and said you know, send him away, cast the slave woman and her son and the son of the slave woman out. You know, she said, she said to send them away. Um, so um, I'll just read it here. And the thing was displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. So he was displeased that she suggested this. But in verse 12, it says, but God said, said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac, your offspring will be named, which is really fascinating because here Sarah tells him, get rid of them. And when Abraham goes to God, God says, do as she says. Now, last time, last time he did what she said, what happened? You have a problem. <laughs> yeah. So there's something redemptive about this in the sense that he's saying she's got a revelation now. So do as she says. But Abraham, I just want to note, he checked in with God. He was not passive in this. We have to we have to applaud Abraham on that, because a lot of times they don't check in with God and just automatically do it, which would have been the right thing to do yeah. in this circumstance. But it was good that he checked with God first. Yeah. Yeah. He went to God and God said, do what she says, because the promise is going to come. Your, the inheritance is going to come through Isaac. So um, he sent he sent Hagar and Ishmael out, and um, they wandered in the desert. Um, <clears throat> but then, what's really interesting is that um, the angel of the Lord met Hagar in verse seventeen, and God heard and God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her. What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard heard the voice of the boy where he is. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, 
and for I will make him a great nation. So what we have here is um, the angel of the Lord meeting with Hagar. And a lot of times we, we trust that the angel of the Lord is actually pre, pre-incarnate Yeshua. So she had a real encounter with the Lord here. And he prophesied and said that I'm going to make him a great nation. Um, well, let's so, back yeah. up some because we, okay. you know, it's important sometimes to follow the scriptures in there. One thing that Hagar did was she did call out to the Lord. And, yes. you know, um, they, it's clear that she did call to, yes. to God and she knew the God that they serve. So that speaks to her being um though in into god and knowing who the real god is however uh is it, it is that this was an offspring that god did not anoint to happen right right and, mm-hmm. yeah so she did call out on behalf of him it says in verse 16 she wept um so her mother's heart was broken for her son and she wept and, and the angel of the lord met her and prophesied that he would be a great nation and then it says that the Lord opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. Um, and she went and filled the skin of water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up and he lived in the wilderness and he became an expert with the bow. And that was one of, I think that's why we were talking about um, the Palestinians a while back is because of it being their this, expertise. Yes. Their expertise with the bow and how today they, they launch rockets into Israel. So it's like the same trajectory. Exactly. Um, it's the same idea of like launching something. So it's kind of interesting to see how that inheritance was fulfilled over time. But he lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. So um, then what happens if you go to Genesis 25, All right. If you look in verses 12 through 18, um, it says, These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in order of their birth. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get through all these names. Honey, look, we already know some, pronounced some of these names in the Bible. Just do your best because I probably get <laughs> okay. them up to Okay, Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Adbiel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tima, Jetur, Nafish, and Kadima. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by by their villages and by their encampments. Twelve princes, according to their tribes. And then it says, these are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite of Egypt, in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. Okay, so he became the father of 12 sons. Right, and that's what I was getting ready to say is, look at God. He is consistent. Um, There's 12 nations of israel and i mean Mm -hmm. 12 tribes and then there's 12 tribes of ishmael so one thing he is is he's consistent in what he does 
Right. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And I also think what's interesting here, too, is that it specifically calls them out as being princes. Um, because when you are following Middle East politics, how often do you see Saudi prince? <laughs> there are so many Saudi princes. <laughs> okay. And so the, they settled in Saudi Arabia, like this, the Arabian Peninsula. So the Saudi Arabians are descendants of Ishmael. Right. Um, they're the Arab and, people. Exactly. And one thing um, that, you know, we'll go a little bit pro more prophetic, but I won't go deep, um, that God calls us kings. Mm. And there's a difference between kings and princes. That's interesting. Hmm, I hadn't even there's thought about a, You know, the king is higher than the prince. Yeah. The, the prince is the offspring of the king. Hmm. So I will not go really prophetic into that right now. I'm going to let you um, get back to the um, teaching of the Palestinians. Okay. That's really fascinating. That was not something I had thought about when I was looking at this, but yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so um, the area that they settled is in the Arabian Peninsula, and they are the Arab people. And um, that is who primarily who the Palestinians have descended from today. They are ethnically Arab people for the most part, you know? I mean, there's some intermarriages that have happened and whatnot over the years, different migratory patterns. Um, but the Palestinians ethnically are, are Arabs. Um, and so they are the descendants of Ishmael. And so we have a sibling rivalry happening here in Israel. <laughs> but it's interesting also to know how they became called the Palestinians. Um, so I just wanted to share a little bit about the history there. Since we see who they are in scripture, we see that they are the sons of Ishmael. Um, but historically, um, Israel was called Israel or Judea until the Bar Kokhba revolt, which took place in 132 to 135 AD. And the Roman emperor, emperor Hadrian at the time is the first person to start using the word Palestine. Um, he called this area he called it Syria, Palestina. Mm. And the reason that he did that after the Bar Kokhba revolt, when the Romans were really taking over um, the land of Israel is because he wanted, he was intentional. He intentionally wanted to separate um, the identity of the Jewish people from the land of Israel. So to call it Judea would make it very clear that this was the indigenous land of the Jewish people. So he gave it a new name to separate it from the Jewish people. And the word Palestine, Palestina, that he used is basically a Latinized version of Philistine. Okay. Mm, um, yeah. Who was an enemy of Israel. You know? Um, so he chose, he chose something very specific. But I want to be really clear. The Palestinians are not... The Palestinians who are here, they are not descendants of the Philistines. The Philistines were actually, and they're in our list of people from Psalm 83, so we'll get to them, but they are Greek in their heritage. They are a people group who somehow ended up in, um, in Israel 
in where the area where the Gaza Strip is today, um, they ended up there from Greece and Crete. Um, so they are European in their descent. They're not exactly. Arab. They're a completely different people group. Um, so over the centuries, the word Palestine became used to describe this region in general because of the Roman influence after the Bar Kokhba revolt. It was a regional term. It was never a country, never a nation state. Like there's never been um, an ethnic people called Palestinian, an ethnic people who were ethnically Palestinian, and there's never been a country that was Palestine. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's what's unfortunate. That's why this teaching is so important because so many people do not know the history. They do not understand um, yeah. the history. So they're pulling off what media is, you know, mainstream media is feeding them, which is incorrect. It's not right. the history. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So it was a regional term in the same way that we might say the South or the Midwest. Um, a lot of people even referred to this region as Southern Syria throughout the Turkish Ottoman rule. So when the Turks had Israel, because there was a time when the Turkish, you know, where Israel was part of the Ottoman Empire, it was just thought of as Southern Syria. Um, but in the time that Yeshua walked this earth, no one would have recognized the word Palestine. Exactly. That, like that wasn't a term that was being used when Yeshua walked the earth with his disciples, you know, um, even before that, like there's this term only came into existence with the Bar Kokhba revolt around 132 to 135 AD. That's when it first came into existence. Um, so sometimes when I see, when I read articles and Bible scholars refer to ancient Palestine, I'm like, no, 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 let's, you know, you need to research a little bit further because you're definitely off course according to not just the word of God, but according to history. Yeah, exactly. It's not even historically accurate to say ancient Palestine because it was, it wasn't that. You know, I mean, there is no ancient Palestine. No. Yeah, yeah, there is none. OK, so um, when the Jewish people started to return to Israel in the late 1800s, actually, at that point, everyone who lived here was considered Palestinian because it was a regional term. Um, the Jerusalem Post that we have today was actually called the Palestinian Post. Because it was just a regional term. It had nothing to do with the Arab people. It was it's, it's just like any newspaper, like the New York Post, the L.A. Times. I mean, it's the region in which it is there. They're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it was just a regional term at the time. Um, but it wasn't until Israel actually became a nation that the Arab people really adopted it for themselves and took on that as their um, nationality and in their um you know, their sense of identity. Um, and so I have friends here who actually prefer to be called Palestinian. Um, you know, that's within their right, but but it's not their ethnicity. It's, exactly. their, it's not historically or biblically correct. Right, right. Um, okay, so yeah, I think that's the main points from history about how how they ended up adopting that as their title. 
and who they are. So again, the Palestinians are ethnically Arab people who primarily descended from Ishmael. And again, I'm making this very simple. I'm not like going into all the, <laughs> the DNA and everything, but all right. the science, but just in the general sense, they're ethnically Arab people who descended from Ishmael. Um, and they adopted this title of Palestinian, which came from Rome. Um, so it's a European construct <clears throat> and it was a Latinized version of <laughs> Philistine who were people who also came from Europe, from Greece and Crete and have nothing to do with the ethnicity of the Palestinians today because they died out about 600 years before Yeshua walked on the earth. So there's no genetic um, intermingling that I know of. Right. Um, between the Arabs that are here and um, the, um, the the ancient Philistines. Yes. Okay. Well, that you know that's this is a good stopping point right here with this teaching. Yeah. We hope everybody is enjoying it. We'll be uh, especially for the month of November and probably into December. We'll be going over these the ethnicity and how these people how people came about and who they technically are and um it's going to be interesting yeah i hope so i hope this is helpful to you all because i just think when you can see it when you know who the people are and you can see it and match them you can start to when you read your bible you can start to see like and when you hear much of the news you can start to be like oh wow <laughs> i right, see how exactly. God you can better thing. understand and you can interpret bible prophecy much better yeah. So anyway, everybody, I hope you really enjoyed this teaching. Like I said, we'll be into November and into December with teachings. We'll bring the news part first, and then we'll come and address the people listed as God's enemies in Psalms 83, 1 through 8. Um, I want to shout out um, Tina's hair and more beauty shop. I'm, I'm telling y'all. You know, I never, you know, I do my, I just have my hair back. But Tina at 111 West Walnut Street in Goldsboro did a beautiful job. So if you all are in Goldsboro uh, and you need your hair done, I have locks, but she does all kinds of hair. Her number is 919-736-9552. And I also want to shout out a few of our other sponsors that have supported us all over the years all over the years jackson and sons heating and um also wayne pharmacy and just many more we will begin to do shout outs at the end of our broadcast because they are the reason we're able to come on and we are just so appreciative of them there's many more sponsors and we will begin to shout them out uh, Callie, do you have anything else? No, I think that's it. Well, everybody, make sure you please like and subscribe to our channel um, and share, share, share this information. We thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next week. All right. Shabbat. Shabbat.